kind of got the glare on your eyes because they're so white. But um, this is my Christmas present, or I should say these are my Christmas present uh, from my daughters. These are Tom's sneakers. And a couple months ago, I talked about Tom's and I made fun of my daughter who had some ugly Tom's. Um, They're special because if you buy a pair of Tom's sneakers, the company then gives a pair uh, to a needy child in an underprivileged country. So I said, hey, get me a pair of Tom's, but don't get me the really ugly ones. So they got me the really white ones. (laughs) Now, it's my goal to keep these babies as white as I can. So I do not wear them outside. In fact, I'm leaving them at church. I wear boots to church, and then I put these on so they'll stay as white as long as possible. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor Chris, that's a little obsessive. A little obsessive-compulsive, but that's who you are, so we kind of accept it. But still, it's a little nutty. And the reason I'm doing it is because, well, these shoes are special to me, right? I mean, these, this is a gift from my, from my daughters. And so it means a lot to me. And I'm sure, you know, as the summer goes on, uh, as, as, summer, as the winter disappears and spring disappears and summer comes, I'll maybe take them outside. Uh, but I wanted to actually um, have you experience that feeling. So I wanted to buy you all a pair of Toms but it's not in the budget. So instead, I gave you a bulletin with no cover, right? You're all looking at a bulletin going, does anyone notice that I don't have... No, we did that on purpose because that bulletin is white and pristine and it's there. It's a gift for me to you to symbolize what it's like to own a pair of Toms. And this is what I want you thinking. How long do you think you can keep that front of that bulletin clean? Now you're saying to yourself, well, I really don't care about the bulletin, Pastor Chris. I'd rather have the times. All right, let me put it to you this way. What if we had a contest? And I said that next year, next year on this date, you bring your bulletin in, and the one who has the whitest, cleanest bulletin will win a million dollars. Now how hard are you going to try to keep it clean? Pretty hard, right? See, it all comes down to what we care about, what we value, what we think is important when it comes to how well we take care of it. Now, this is important because today, Paul, we're going to read Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Not the whole letter, but a portion of it. And Paul is going to use a word picture that talks about something that we are to really be um, careful how we treat And to be honest with you, um, the world right now is trashing it and even some Christians. So this is important. So I want you to turn, if you've got your Bibles, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The scripture we put up on the screen, but if you want to follow along, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 12 and going to verse 20. Paul is going to talk about something far more valuable than a bulletin cover and far more valuable than a pair of Tom's sneakers. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12, Paul writes, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, the word picture that Paul uses that will stick out immediately to the Corinthians as they read this letter is in verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now, this does not have the same powerful meaning to us today, but it's going to in a few moments. Because first I want to explain how important this is um, to the audience of that day. If you want to like put a finger here in your Bible and go back to Exodus, Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And I'll start in verse 10. Exodus 25 verse 10. It says, God is talking to Moses and he's talking to them about how they are to build the ark. And he says, have them make a chest of Achaia wood two and a half cubits long. A cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold both inside and out and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet. Now I'm going to stop here for a minute. I don't know about, I'm going to make a little bit of confession here uh, this morning. When I read through the Old Testament and they start talking about cubits, I blow right through it. And I probably shouldn't, but I'm thinking, really? Do I need to memorize all these cubits? So I kind of like gloss over it, you know what I'm saying, and go to like when it starts like not using measurements. Because I'm thinking, why do I need to know about how many cubits and how long and why is that so important? Well, let me tell you why. It was important to the people back then because they were talking about where God was going to exist. Let me read to you from an author by the name of Nicole Weeder. She says that in the Old Testament, God's spirit did not dwell on earth, but in heaven. So when God gave instructions to Moses to build the tabernacle, he carefully outlined a place for his spirit to dwell. The Ark of the Covenant, this Ark, would allow God's presence to dwell with Israel wherever they went. It was an incredible honor. And the Ark was made of the most expensive quality materials by the very best craftsmen of the time. When King Solomon built the the temple centuries later, the Ark of the Covenant rested in the Holy of Holies. It was Israel's most precious possession. Now go back to 1 Corinthians. And do you see what's happening here? Back in the day, God was in this box. Right? He was in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the people are being told, Oh no, you... You now are the temple. You've given your life to Christ. God lives in you. 
You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine the people back in Exodus being told that God was not going to live in the Ark of the Covenant, but inside of them? That's huge. That's powerful. And that had to blow the minds of the Corinthians. And it should blow our minds today. Because at the end of the scripture, Paul says, honor God, therefore honor God with your body. So what's another way to put this that I think can relate to us today? Go and put this on the screen. Another way to look at it is this. This is kind of our bottom line. Your body is God's body. So whatever you do to it, you're doing to God. Now let that sink in for a minute. And maybe some of you just kind of threw up in your mouth a little bit. Your body is God's body. So whatever you do to it, you're doing to God. I mean, that's what Paul is saying here. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, and the two will become one flesh? So should we take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Your body is God's body. So whatever you do to it, you're doing to God. In other words, your body is far more valuable than a pair of sneakers. Far more valuable than the cover of a bulletin. So we are to take our bodies and we are to honor God with them. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, I think there are three ways that we can look at it. And the first way is what Paul was really talking about here to the Corinthians. Um, You see, back in the time, uh, the Corinthians had a weird kind of setup where they had like a thousand prostitutes and they had all these different gods that they believed in. And so the men believed that by sleeping with the prostitutes, they got closer to these gods. Along comes Jesus now. And they give their lives to Jesus And Jesus is now residing in their body. Their body is God's body. So what they do to it, they're doing to God. And Paul says, so should you take that body and unite God to a prostitute? No. In fact, he says, flee, flee sexual immorality. Run away from it. Flee it. Don't just saunter away. Get out of there. Because you don't want to do that to God, right? Now, as I've been mentioning these last um, few weeks, uh, sexual harassment is like the big, the big news, right? I mean, every day, somebody from Hollywood or somebody from big business is coming out and they're, they're claiming that they are sexually harassed and the world is just up in arms. But this past week, I saw another story that I want to show to you. Go ahead and bring the lights down. Uh, this clip comes from CBS News. I want you, maybe you've seen it. Uh, Do your best to watch it here in the sunlight and then we'll talk about it. Go ahead, guys. In Tennessee, the pastor of a mega church is apologizing for a sexual assault on a teenager decades ago. But that is not the end of the story. Here's Jerika Duncan. I'm going to sit if that's all right. Um, Memphis pastor Andy Savage made a confession this past Sunday at High Point Church. um, As a college student on staff at a church in Texas more than 20 years ago, I regretfully had a sexual incident with a female high school senior in the church. 
His request for forgiveness got a standing ovation. It breaks my heart. Jules Woodson was 17 years old when she says she was sexually assaulted by Savage on a ride home from church. At the time, Savage was a 22-year-old youth minister. She recently went public about her story on a Christian blog. I did it because I was scared and I was in shock. I, I, I didn't understand what was happening. Woodson says back in 1998, she notified a pastor who told her to keep quiet. She says Savage left the church weeks later. In the wake of the Me Too movement, Woodson felt the need to speak up and sent Savage an email last month. He didn't respond until yesterday, and she says he apologized. We are for Miss Woodson. Chris Conley, the lead pastor of the Memphis church where Savage now ministers, prayed for Savage and Woodson. It saddens us that Miss Woodson has not been on the same road to healing. The apology doesn't change the fact that what happened to me was against the law and that it was wrong. Woodson says the night of the incident, Savage got down on his knees and apologized, but told her to keep it a secret and take it to her grave. Tonight, we received a statement from the church only stating there will be additional information from Andy and the church soon. Jeff? All right, Tariqa, thank you. So do you see how CBS News kind of put that story out there? Hollywood has sexual harassment. Big corporations have sexual harassment. And churches, Christianity, has sexual harassment. We're no different. But we're supposed to be different, right? Yes, we are. So when we honor our bodies, when we honor God through our bodies, through sexual purity... Not only are we obeying God, but we're standing out. We're being a light in the darkness. Not for our glory, not so we can say, oh, look how great we are, but we can say, hey, look at what Jesus has helped us to do. So I could stand up here and I could say to you, so listen, if you're married, you can have sex. If you're not married, you can't have sex and walk away. But I think it's better if we say this, your body is God's body. So whatever you do to it, you're doing to God. So think about that for a moment. If you are married, then you have no problems, right? If you are married, then God wants you to be with your spouse. But if you are on a date with someone you're not married to, It changes the mood, doesn't it? If you think about God being with you there on the couch in the dark. At least I hope it changes the mood. But that's what's happening. You are bringing God wherever you go. Whatever you do to your body, you're doing it to God. And you have to think that way. Because that's the reality. That's the reality. All right, there are two other ways I think we can honor God with our bodies. The second way is with our health. The latest survey, I think, is like 36.5% of adults in America are obese. This is God's temple, right? So we have to keep it healthy. We have to eat right. We have to exercise. We have to go to the doctors. We have to do what they say. We have to take care of our bodies. We have to think about the food and the stuff that we put in to it. Yeah, we're all going to break down and die someday, but we don't have to rush that process along. 
You know, a couple of months ago, I told you about how I got depressed and ate 20 chocolate chip cookies in one sitting. That wasn't good. I wasn't supposed to do that. That was a sin. That was wrong. That was being gluttonous. I haven't done that since, thank the Lord. Been trying to eat right and exercise, but that's what we're supposed to do. Actually, I had a lady come up to me today and she said, wow, how did you know I was going to the gym today? I said, I didn't, <laughs> but have fun. She goes, I hate working out. I'm like, I know, I hate exercise too. It's not fun sometimes, but we're supposed to do it, right? Think about it. If our world is filled with men and women who are unhealthy physically because not of a disease, and sometimes, you know, if you're sick and you have a disease, that's, that's different. But the majority of Americans, man, they're just, they're just sucking back fast food, candy. They're medicating themselves with food. They're not healthy, and they're getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and that is not a good testimony for the world. We need to honor God with our body by taking care of it. And there is one more way, I think, that we can do this. And this is what it comes, actually interesting, if you go back to the scripture, I didn't point this out originally, but if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you see that everything is permissible for me. You notice that those, that quote is in quotation marks, because that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is quoting the Corinthians. You see, they're going around saying, hey, everything's permissible for me. But Paul is saying, yeah, but then everything is beneficial. And they're saying, well, everything is permissible for me. And he says, yeah, but I will not be mastered by anything. This past week, uh, California became the latest state to legalize marijuana. So now you can recreationally go to California and smoke marijuana. It is permissible. But is it what God wants you to do with your body that is his body? How about smoking? How about drinking? Folks, we have to think about these things again when it comes to the fact that, hey, God is with you. So do you really want to turn to God and say, hey, God, you want to get stoned? What's he going to say? Yeah. Or no. Our God is a holy God. Does he want you getting drunk? No. Does he want you smoking and getting cancer? No. Does he want you getting stoned? I'm going to guess on this one because I haven't asked him, but no. He wants you to take care of your body. Honor your body because he is in your body. So here's my challenge Uh, to you today. It's a very simple one. Go back to the last slide there, Carolyn. I just want you to think about this. You know, as you leave here and as you go home and as you go through your day, as you watch television, go to movies, as you sit in front of your computer, um, as you go into your basement and hang out with your friends, you go on dates, you do whatever you're doing, keep this in your mind. Your body is God's body. So whatever you do to it, You're doing to God. Think about that. And so when you're starting to do something, ask yourself, is this what God wants me to do? Because God is there. He's right there. So does he want you to partake in the activity that you're about to partake in? And the answer is yes, if it brings honor to him. And if it doesn't, then don't do it.